Hi, everyone. I'm Sheikh, and welcome to Humans of AI, where we meet the people building the, the magic. Uh, today, we have a very special episode. I'm joined by Zishan Zia, who is the co-founder and CEO of Retrocausal, a really interesting AI company in the manufacturing space. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, th thanks. Thanks for having me, Sheikh. I really appreciate it. Yeah, uh, uh, Zishan, one of the first questions I have for, for you before we dive in, into the details is, if you had to describe your work to, uh, to a five-year-old, what would you say? Oh, wow, yeah. Uh, so uh, we make uh, computers see, we allow, uh, you know, uh, we build the algorithms that allow a camera to under and a computer connected to a camera to understand a procedural human activity as you're doing a a, a job like uh, building a Lego toy or uh, or or you are uh, you know uh, do, doing some other kind of physical activity our camera can understand what you're doing and if you make a mistake the system can uh, guide you and uh, offer you alerts let's say that you're trying to build a uh, build a, a rocket ship with Legos, and you know you 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 put the wrong Lego, or it's it's not going to be stable. Uh, you know the camera will be uh, looking at what you're building, and on the screen you'll get an alert and say that says, "Hey, you're you're building it in the wrong way." At the same time, our AI can help you come up with different kinds of rocket ship designs uh, by looking at what kind of rocket ship you're building. So, so essentially, you know, it's 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 like a an extra pair of trained eyes that can that can guide you through a process that can help you that can assist you. You should start selling that to parents. I think I could use that with my two daughters when they're doing projects. Uh, I, absolutely, so, like actually, yeah. uh, I, I, I that, that's where I come from. Uh, my my PhD, <laughs> yeah, my PhD was funded uh, partly by Qualcomm. Uh, uh -huh. and, and essentially, at that point in time, Qualcomm used to have an augmented reality business unit called Euphoria, and, uh -huh. and essentially, I got the chance to uh, contribute a lot to to that Euphoria product, and specifically in regards to our work with Lego, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, and, super cool! You know, oh, yeah, there, there is a product. If you go to YouTube, you can look up something called Lego Fusion, right? And yeah. essentially, that's that's exactly what we do there. You know, so so you take out your smartphone, and if you're building the right thing, the system guides you through it, or or gives you alerts and and so on and so forth. But but yeah, does uh, does this mean you have some pretty cool Lego kits at, still at your house? I do. I I have an eight year old, and I have a five year old, <laughs> and we love playing with Legos. And and you know, uh, absolutely, you know, we, we, yeah. we, we love building Lego mindstorms. You know, robots with Legos. Uh, Love playing around with their augmented reality features, but 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 other stuff as well for sure. <laughs> oh, that's super fun! Yeah, I, I'm there with you. I've a I've a six year old and a eight year old, so I imagine a lot of the similar challenges. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I you mentioned uh, your um, PhD work in computer vision. It seems like you've been working in the field far before it was cool, and since then you've worked in a very wide diversity of teams. Uh, can you tell us a bit more about your career journey and how you got where you are? Absolutely. So, so I, I did an, did a, did a master's uh, in electrical engineering at, at the Munich University of Technology, where I spent two years at a at a robot vision lab, 
essentially uh, building systems where uh, cobot systems, you know, collaborative robotics, where the robot can see what you are doing and collaboratively build something uh, with you. Specifically, at that point in time, we, we were working in kitchen environments, and we were we were looking to see if robots can help, can collaborate with you to build things like pancakes and stuff. You know, mm-hmm. just, just for fun. Uh, uh, from there, I went on to do a PhD that was uh, also focused on uh, on computer vision. You know, human activity recognition, three D object pools estimation yeah, problems. Yeah. Uh, uh, it was before the days of deep learning. Uh, for sure, uh, at that time, this this is this is 2007 to 2014. So so very much before uh, deep, the deep learning revolution happened, we we were building a lot of handcrafted rules into these, a lot of statistical models to make these things happen. Uh, after which, you know, uh, d- during my PhD, I got the chance to like like I said, work with Qualcomm, won, won awards from Microsoft Research, uh, best paper awards. Uh, uh, and and such on on some of this work also some of this work got applied to uh, self driving cars those kinds of applications around trying to predict what humans either when the driver as well as what the the people who are walking outside will do uh, trying to predict what you know trying to predict human behavior essentially uh, went on to do a postdoc at Imperial College London in the UK mm-hmm. uh, where, where you know, uh, extended some of this work uh, to to real-time systems that could operate at the edge with very low latency. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, then, you know, it's after after spending about, uh, you know, after spending about a decade in Europe, moved to the US, first in the Bay Area, where I worked at an industrial research lab, and then at Microsoft in the HoloLens division. HoloLens is this, you know, head-mounted display device, augmented reality device, that you might have heard of, but you know, and, yeah. and you know, afterwards founding Retrocausal. Yeah. What, what was the inspiration to go from Microsoft to founding Retrocausal? Yeah. Uh, at, at Microsoft, it was, uh, you know, I got the chance to work on, on the HoloLens, like I said, right? The, the revolutionary device, in my opinion, it's still, we'll, we'll see what how, how Apple's Vision Pro comes when it comes out and how good it is. <laughs> But, you know, essentially for the time, it was the absolute pinnacle of computer vision technology that was getting shipped out there. And we saw it as the next generation of, of computer, really. Right? We thought yeah. that everybody will be having these devices on their heads all the time. Uh, got the chance to work with a lot of their early enterprise partners in the HoloLens that, that the HoloLens team was working with. My role was essentially to both contribute to the science piece of, of the HoloLens, build new computer vision algorithms, but also, you know, to actually uh, talk to these customers, figure out their problems and inform the, the research team on, you know, how we could uh, how we could improve the HoloLens or how we could decide what, what to do in the next two to five years. And it was, uh, we, I got the chance to get a couple of insights out of these customer conversations that essentially led to retrocausal. Uh, you know, uh, convinced my uh, my colleagues at Microsoft to join me, and and you know, off we went. Uh, nice, nice. Awesome. And now, uh, what, um, I understand the the core pieces of your technology, but what what are the types of customers that you're that you're serving right now? Yeah. Uh, so we uh, 
So, so at CryptoCausal, what we do is we use cameras and computer vision and generative AI to help and assist manual assembly processes to make them uh, to optimize them. Essentially, a camera observes an assembly process. Uh, imagine a, a Honda factory fluid. The worker is, a, is tightening a nut, tightening a bolt, putting a cover on top. And if the operator makes a mistake, we offer an alert in real time to help them yeah, fix yeah. that mistake, right? And it's essentially uh, eliminating uh, defects, but also helping untrained factory workers get up to speed on a, on a sophisticated build process. At the same time, we, we apply generative AI on top of that computer vision to help an industrial engineer optimize these processes in the first place. So they can uh, they can make these processes more comfortable for the workers, but also uh, you know uh, optimize headcount, optimize quality and such. And uh, our focus has been on high volume, low mix manufacturing, which is you know a relatively more repetitive kind of manufacturing where a where a manual assembly worker is going to be assembling the same thing over and over again. Or, or yeah, you know, yeah. there are only a handful of SKUs that they are having to deal with, uh, uh, and you know, uh, within that high volume, low mix uh, space, we are focused on automotive, uh, medical devices, and hardware. Got it. Interesting. Got it. Interesting. Is um, since it sounds like most of the um, work you're doing is is on the on the edge. Um, ha- have you run into challenges with the with the size of of the models especially for the gen ai work that you're doing there right um so we we, we what we are our, our platform is, is is really hybrid uh we do whatever needs to be done on the edge we do it on the edge especially specifically when workers are doing these very fast builds where they have to complete yeah. they have just 35 40 seconds to complete that engine assembly Obviously, you need to give them feedback in real time in under a second. And for that, you absolutely need edge devices. But at the same time, when it's an industrial engineer or a production supervisor who's trying to understand that process, gain insights or get the generative AI piece to actually tell them how they can improve that process, give them some alternatives, they don't need that insight, those insights in real time, essentially, right? The AI piece, the, the, the live piece, Connects a bunch of data, understands what's going on, and then that Gen AI piece can be served through the through a web portal as well. So, so we we serve the Gen yes. AI models through the cloud, whereas and and we do even the edge model trainings in the cloud, but essentially the live video itself gets processed at the edge. Makes sense. Makes sense. Got it. And, and on the other side, with um with such a global customer base, especially with the a lot of the um, new. Uh, EU AI regulations coming out. Has, has that been impacting your work at all? Uh, it's, it's not. Uh, so we are working on our GDPR uh, certification. We are very close to getting it. Uh, we are working with uh, a number of, uh, you know, early European partners. It's, it's not It's not been a problem so far. Okay. Uh, and, and, I, and I don't foresee it being a problem. When we are training our Gen AI models, we are very careful to ensure that we, you know, use data that is uh, where we have a right to use that data, uh, you know, uh, where, for instance, copyrights have expired, or if you are you going to use open open source public, public sector data, uh, but then we have our own teams that are 
you know, uh, curating our own internal data sets, which basically okay. allows us to bypass a lot of those regulations uh, and make sense cool. with them. Yeah. And, and for, for, uh, for state of the art, a uh, company like yours, it seems, um, uh, it advances in AI research from academic and corporate teams are happening lightning fast with three new announcements every single week. Is there are there any particular areas of ML research that you're following closely? Yeah, uh, you know, multimodal foundation models is something that that, that uh, as well as actually unsupervised machine learning is something that we spend a lot of our time on. So my co-founder is uh, Dr. Kwakwe Cran. He did a he did a, a a top-notch PhD. He has been a regular at, at at all the major conferences. He has papers published there regularly. He has a research team within our company where he is he's contributing to you know a lot of that unsupervised machine learning work, a lot of uh, gen gen AI work, uh, especially on the multimodal side of things. You know how can mm -hmm. we generate or uh, look at video data together with language data. Uh, and and you know you use that that sort of work. So so you know we we follow it closely. We also contribute to it. Uh, we have uh, within the life of our company over the last few years, we've already published several papers. We publish at at the top peer reviewed conferences like CNPR and NeurIPS and such. Uh, but you know those would those those two would be the broad themes that we try to keep keep you know uh, keep a keep a close eye on. Got it. And. I'm I'm assuming that that the core vision models you have are things that you've developed your, yourselves. But for the uh, Gen AI uh, Gen AI components, at least, um, are you using any of the uh, models from the big companies and and fine tuning those? I'm wondering what the split between using big tech and your own stuff is. No, so obviously, look, uh, companies like Meta have spent $25 million on Llama 2 and, and you know, essentially outsource them with with really, really good commercial licenses. So we are going to utilize those. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a very valuable resource. What we essentially do is we'll take take a Llama 2, but, but, but everything that we've built is still decoupled from the exact details of the language model through LangChain. But, you know, we'll take a Llama, Llama 2, we'll pre-train it just for the language piece, Using open source data, uh, uh, you know, uh, with, with good, again with good permissions, and then we'll uh, we'll take Llama two and we'll chop its head off, and that piece, <laughs> that head is just being used for text data, and then our own video and sensor backbones come in. They get also, uh, you know, attached to the top of the uh, of Llama two. We have a couple of trainable layers in between, and then yeah. we'll do that. You know that that uh, that uh, model, that uh, you know combined model on our own data sets that are focused on uh, uh, factory process improvement, right? So so now you get a you you benefit from that Llama backbone that has already been uh, you know trained on uh, tons of data that has already had a lot of investments made on it, but you also get the benefits of industrial engineering focused text data. As well as that multimodal capability that that uh, you know that Makes we sense. have invented in house. Got it. Interesting. Interesting. Let's see, uh, Zishan. The last question I have for for you is: um, Let's say I'm a recent college grad and I've been focusing on computer vision for the past couple of years. I'm interviewing with a bunch of different 
companies. Um, what are some of the questions that I should be asking these com- companies to know if it'll be a good place to do computer vision work at? Well, that that's a great question. Uh, you know, I, I typically be so so. You know, if if you are really interested in doing pure AI work, or you know, focus on on the AI piece of it, I would I would try to understand uh, how much uh, the maturity level of what you know uh, what they've already built and where where they're going. Right, mm-hmm. I, I would try to understand their product roadmap. Oftentimes, what happens is that companies will. Uh, will build something that's uh, that's uh, will build a, a significant product and it can still be a very valuable product around something that's ten years old, a ten year old piece of technology. And uh, you know there is there is some value to be to provide it to customers, but uh, you know they, they, you could provide that much more value by by uh, by by the breakthroughs that have just happened. And in those cases, you know you might end up not really be contributing to to the AI element of it, AI piece of it, but just building that wrapper software around it, right? There are companies, for instance, in our own space, right? What they'll do is uh, they are able to, uh, they'll they'll take an open source model for uh, person tracking, right? Uh, For skeletal tracking. And they've built some soft, you know, some wrappers around that. But essentially, now, now the problem that happens is if you are trying to model an assembly process, you don't just want to understand what the human, how the human body is moving. You want to understand how the human is interacting with the objects, with the with the assembly itself, right? Because the assembly can be moving, it might not be standardized. So you can't just assume that when my hand is at this location, yeah, yeah. this pixel boundary in the box, this pixel bounding box in the image space, then something happened. Right. What you really want to do is under- discover objects that are in the scene. And, and by the way, these objects will no longer be your cats and dogs and cars that you see in public academic data sets. These will be completely new objects, right? So how can you discover those objects? And then how can you understand the interaction between the human and the tool and the assembly itself, right? So a lot of these, a lot of uh, the, the real solution, in my experience, to a lot of actual industrial problems turns out to be a little bit more higher tech, lowest hanging, you know, pick the lowest hanging fruit and trying to build something around that. I, I know, you know, uh, uh, businesses might not love to hear that simply yeah. because you know, uh, there it's, uh, you're, uh, there, there is this assumption that, that you know, uh, you, you are supposed to, if you're supposed to solve the customer problem, just look at the customer problem and nothing else. Oftentimes you do have to, embrace that paradigm shift if you're really going to solve that customer problem in the in the optimal way right again uh, like henry ford said right if you if you asked a focus group what they wanted they would have told you they want fast faster ho- horses right mm-hmm. it's ca- ca- kind of that mindset so so i would rec- encourage you know and you know if uh, engineers who want to really uh, track the state of the art in ai be be grow up in that in that space to try to understand the broader vision of the company that they're going into, understand product roadmaps. Uh, are they just trying to pick pick low hanging fruits, or they are, are they trying to build something that's truly revolutionary? Cool. Well, Sijan, this has been a super fun conversation. Uh, thank you for sharing more about your world. 
Thank, thank you, Sheikh. It's a pleasure to be yep. on your podcast. This podcast is brought to you by H10. Part about advanced technology that never changes is the need for the right people to design, build, and manage it. H10 offers just that with an on-demand talent and management service that covers all aspects of engineering, program management, and AI. Trusted by over 400 companies, including half of the Fortune 10, H10 is here to help lighten your load and make you the hero.